Hey, what's going on, guys? What's going on? I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Uh, welcome to the Black Financial Channel. Uh, today, we're going to talk about Michael Jackson. And Michael Jackson, uh, there, apparently there was a big blockbuster sale of a lot of his assets, his musical entities, his, um, you know, his rights and publishing and all that stuff. And the deal was worth almost a billion dollars. I'm going to give you the details of the deal and also give you some thoughts on or whether what it really means when you sell something or sell out or whatever the case may be. So get comfortable, buck up a seatbelt. We're going to get started on the Black Financial Channel right now. Welcome to the Black Financial Channel. That's theblackfinancialchannel.com. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. I am your friendly neighborhood finance professor. On the Black Financial Channel, we talk about black wealth and black economics every day, sometimes as much as 10 times a day under one condition. The condition is that we are B1. B1 means black first. B1 means also that we educate our kids. We break generational curses. We build black wealth and we teach our kids about wealth. So if you agree with this philosophy, put a B1 in the chat. Um, I'm tired of us being victims. I don't want us to be broke. I don't think we have to be stupid. I, I am, in my view, it is, um, it is time to challenge the culture and stop letting the nonsense kind of dictate who we are as a people. So let me know if you agree with that. Let me know if you agree. All right, guys. So do me a favor. Uh, let me know if you can hear me. Okay. Give me a yes in the chat. If you can hear me. All right. I'm messing with this microphone. I'm hoping I'm doing, I hope I got the microphone set up right. And what's up on Instagram. My Instagram is the real voice walking. So I got friends on Instagram right there. All right. So, uh, how many of you heard, give me a yes or no. Also, did you hear that Michael Jackson, uh, just sold or his estate just sold, um, uh, a bunch of his publishing rights. I don't think they sold everything, but uh, they sold a lot for about eight or nine hundred million dollars. Uh, give me a yes if you heard about this. And uh, this is really interesting. I'm really trying to understand this. Um, I was actually on the phone just today, actually, with a friend of mine who's with Rock Nation and uh, just trying to understand how this business works. And um, and so I, I found this deal to be quite interesting. I'm going to read some of this to you from Variety. They said that uh, the Michael Jackson estate is in the process of selling half of its interest in the legendary singer's music catalog for in a deal for eight to nine hundred million dollars. So uh, so they're not actually in. And I put that in. I made a mistake in the title when I said um, when I said selling his whole life's work, they're not selling his whole life's work. It looks like, according to Variety, that they're selling half of his, you know, life's work, right, for eight or nine hundred million, which theoretically means that the whole catalog might be worth one point seven, one point eight billion um and and then assuming that it grows in value you're talking about more than two billion over time uh let's see they said that while the details are unclear sources say that sony and a and a, and a possible financial partner are negotiating to acquire 50 percent of the estate's interest in jackson's publishing uh recorded music revenues the mj musical broadway show in the upcoming biopic michael and more and possibly more assets the package could be the biggest deal to date in the still booming music catalog market, a financial source tells Variety that Primary Wave Music already owns a stake in Jackson's publishing catalog, although details are unclear. Reps for Jackson's estate, co-executors John Bronca and John McClain, probably, you know, two white people, like, so funny. You know, let me just stop right there. I'm, I'm a Google. I, I don't want to be, you know, if, I, if you're white and you're watching, you're probably going to think I'm a racist. I'm not a racist. I'm just mad. That every time black people have something valuable, anybody else ever notice how every time black people have something valuable, we end up like it ends up being like some white guy in control of it. I, does anybody else think that's a little bit weird? Like, like why, you know, like why can't his executors be like Tyrone Jackson and Malik Wilson? Like, seriously, seriously, I, I mean, does anybody ever notice that? Give me a guess if you notice like how it seems like 
almost like we need to be babysat. Like we're children, like we're just stupid or, or like pets, you know, we're managed. Yeah, and like even when they talk about the Super Bowl and everybody's like, oh, we got two black quarterbacks, two black quarterbacks. That's so great. It is. It's cool. Patrick Mahomes is a badass. And so is um, and his daddy's black. So he's black to me. And then you got Jalen Hurts. who's just I mean, I have so much respect for him. And notice both of those guys are mentored by their daddy. So black fathers matter. Shout out to all the black dancers that are killing it. Love. But but anyway, you know, you got two black quarterbacks, but you ain't got no black owners. Yeah, all right. What the owners are a couple, probably a couple of hillbilly white boys, you know, sitting back saying, Look at my Negroes are faster than your Negroes, right? You know, it just really is kind of like, you know, like, like there's something mentally where it seems like we don't feel like we have the capacity to play the game at the very top. Like, like we just ain't tall enough mentally to be to play above the rim. We always got to be at the bottom, we got to be at the bottom of the white man's shoe. I'm not dissing. Michael or, you know, saying that this is automatically inappropriate, but I'm just sitting here saying, you know, think about this. You got the best entertainers on the planet. You got the best athletes on the planet. You got the best, you know, damn near everything on the planet. And we have the most beautiful women on the planet too, even though people, because everybody be trying to look like a black woman, right? So y'all can talk bad about them if you want to, but the Kardashians ain't really black, but everything, that uh, all the little surgeries and stuff they get. Anyway, let me get off of that. You know, it just is weird to me that they're always in control of it. Like, even if we build the, the bus, it, somebody else is driving the damn bus. That's so weird to me. So I don't know who John Bronca is. I mean, I, I pulled up pictures. I just literally typed in those names. And Bronca is clearly a white boy. Um, in fact, I can even share my screen. You can see, you know, he's he looks you know, as, as white as a regular white person. And again, if you're white, I don't have, I promise you, I don't hate white people. I just have to make this point. You know, I just love black people. And you see John Bronco right here. Uh, there's some images and I, I don't know if that's the other guy or not, but these are the people that are in control of one of the greatest black artists of the estate of one of the greatest black artists of all time. Even Michael's kids ain't really black. I mean, it's, it's weird. It's just weird to me. And I kind of feel like we got to kind of think about that a little bit. And then, and then going back to the Super Bowl and Mahomes and Jalen Hurts being two black quarterbacks, we, we've even had two black coaches. If you remember back in 2006, you had two black coaches, Lovey Smith and the other guy, uh, uh, Herm Edwards, in the Super Bowl. I believe that the, the, that's who it was. That's cool, right? But, you know, there was a time where we owned the entire damn league. We owned the whole league. The NFL won't even let you own 3% of a team, damn near, 10% of a team. We owned the whole league when we had the Negro leagues and we gave all that up so we could have a couple Jackie Robinsons, right? And then they trick you because they get you to celebrate the Jackie Robinsons. They get you to get excited about the Jackie Robinsons. And that's nonsense. Like that's not something to be excited about. That is an epic failure. That's a loss for the community. So anyway, let me get back to it. Cause because what happens is the Jackie Robinsons cause you to then celebrate the, the Deion Sanders situation in Colorado I'm happy for Dion. I ain't happy for the black community. I'm happy for Dion, but ain't nothing ain't nothing special about being in pasty ass, whack ass Colorado. The only reason you're there, man, is because of the money. You know that. You know that, and I know that. So let's stop pretending like 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 Colorado is so lit that you would be there if they weren't giving you all this money. So uh, anyway, let me get back to it. Do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe. My name is Boyce Watkins and my website is boycewatkins.com. Uh, on that uh, platform, you can find my book. It's called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. And I'm doing 
doing a series of Black Wealth Boot Camps, and I'm going to do deep dive trainings on this book in six cities. And I'll announce those cities very soon. You can learn more. Just go to my website, boyswalkins.com. You can check all that out. All right. So let's get back to Michael Jackson. So Michael Jackson uh, says Sony has been involved in some of the biggest previous known catalog deals. It acquired Bruce Springsteen's publishing uh, for about $600 million. Uh, it paid $150 to $200 million for Bob Dylan's rights. Uh, let's see here. They bought, uh, oh, oh, wait, hold on. Or maybe that's $400 million. No, 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 no. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay, I got it. Oh, interesting. Okay. And then they, or some other ones, They even Future, they even bought uh, Future's music. Uh, I think Future got a few million dollars. He didn't get like hundreds of millions. I think Dr. Dre got $200 million. Uh, who else? Uh, let me see. I'm looking to see what are the names again. Justin Bieber got 200 million, same as Dr. Dre. Now, Bieber sold 100% of his catalog, 200, 290 songs. Uh, Dre sold, they didn't give the percentage that he sold, but he got 200 million. Uh, Huey Lewis in the news only got 20 million for 100%. That's that's interesting. Uh, Future, they won't, they didn't disclose it. Chuck D. Uh, from Public Enemy, he sold 50% of his copyright interest and 100% of his writer's share for 300 songs. Who knew Chuck D had 300 songs? I didn't know. I only know fight the power was that be anyway. All right, so so it looks like you know, like like that's kind of the thing right now that there's a lot of selling your catalog to these big labels and and I don't know understand the play entirely. I guess it's like you know, I mean, like any other asset. Uh, you look at and you evaluate every asset. Just so you guys know, every every financial asset on earth is valued with the exact same model. And this is what this is the model we taught students at the at, when I was at Syracuse University. And it's called the present value of future cash flows. So what you do is you figure out how much money this thing's going to make for you. And then you uh, put it into a formula and then you come up with a number. And then if the price you pay is less than the number that you come up with in the formula, then you go ahead and you make the purchase. And so what happens, though, is that uh, the thing about an asset, a financial asset, is that in financial theory, there's a rule that says that in a good economy, a financial asset should always belong to the person who can get the most out of that asset. It's almost like when you talk about babies and kids, you know, like like, you know, you ever see they, they got somebody like imagine like a child that was imagine if every child was put with the parents that could raise that child the best. They could help the child reach their potential the best. Right. So an asset is the same way where, uh, you know, you might have an asset where you can generate five million a year from the asset. But if you have a big behemoth like a Sony, Sony may come along and say, you know, we could actually do better by that child. We can actually make 20 million a year from that asset because we've got the mechanics in place. We've got the infrastructure in place. Give me a yes if you're following what I'm saying. So this is what it ultimately ends up allowing the white man to kind of dominate you in the game of capitalism. Because what they'll do is they'll see a black asset like Michael Jackson's catalog or Essence magazine. And they'll see Essence kind of chugging along. Essence is making, you know, I don't know, let's say three million, five million a year in profit. I don't know what their profits were, whatever the numbers are, right? Well, they say, hey, you know, we've got this big behemoth of an engine called Time Warner. And if we take your little asset and put it in with our big behemoth, we can actually double the monthly or the annual revenue from this asset, which makes it more valuable to us than it is for you. Right. It's like, you know, it's like, um, I, I don't know, like, like imagine somebody, you know, you got a, you dating a pretty girl and you don't know what to do with all that. You know, some guy comes along like, oh, you don't know how to treat that lady. Let me let me have her. I think I could I could do some special things with that lady that you can you can't handle all that. Right. So they kind of look at us and when we have our little assets and they say, you can't handle all that. Here's some money. Let us take it off your hands. And then we, we'll, we'll really, really get this thing moving. Right. And so ultimately, the the, the, the desire to sell 
is a temptation that's hard to walk away from because the amounts of money that get um, transferred around, you know, when you hit that space is so large and so massive. I, I think Essence, I, I could have sworn Essence was sold for $300 million. And it's really hard to talk somebody into throwing away or an opportunity uh, to get that kind of money. You know, when Bob Johnson sold BET to Viacom, right, uh, the, the amount was so massive, you know, that, that Johnson couldn't have got that amount of money by himself, uh, you know, in, in other ways. It would have been hard for him to do that. So he went ahead and sold. So to that extent, if you're looking at it as a purely financial transaction, then it all makes sense to some extent. The problem, though, is that some of the stuff that you want to sell shouldn't really be sold. You know, some stuff that you want to sell um, should have a value that's greater than money. I'll give you an example. You know, my parents are getting older and we've been talking about uh, the estate plan. I paid off my parents' house uh, for, you know, with, and I wanted to do it because I, I love my parents. And this is why you should invest in your kids. I, I told you guys that your children are a valuable financial asset. Raise your kids right because you're going to need them in retirement. That becomes part of your retirement plan. This is part of the wealth strategy that you'll never learn in school. And so anyway, my um, when we talk about the house, uh, there's a conversation about what the house is worth and what we could do with the house. And, and you know, I, I just remember just saying to my siblings, man, I don't want to sell this house. I don't care how much money somebody offers us for this house. I don't care if they offer us a trillion dollars for this house. This is mama and daddy's house and we can't replace that. Like I'm not, I'm not selling that, right? I don't need, there's no point where I will need the cash that bad that I'm going to sell something that has that level of value to me has a value that money cannot buy. So I think that when you're talking about this, this vast debate over whether or not you should sell out or not sell out, I think you got to ask yourself, is there any standard that you have as black people? This is important for black people to understand so you don't get owned by the white man. Because if, if everything if everything has a price, then he can literally buy you like a damn slave. Like you might as well rename yourself Kunti Kente because he can literally buy you. Right. If you if you're a woman that says, well, you know, I'm not going to sleep with you for one hundred dollars, but I might do it for five hundred. Right. Then there, then somebody's going to come along with five hundred dollars and, and take away something that money can't buy from you. Right. So ultimately, what I would say to you is, is ask yourself when you talk about business and economics, this is what separates you from the capitalists. Right? I've never been an advocate for capitalism in its purest form because capitalism in its purest form is very um, it's very predatory and it, it breeds slavery and it's very exploitative and it's almost extortionary uh, in nature. I don't think you have to be a capitalist in order to do well or, or in order to really appreciate the power of wealth. Uh, but, but one thing that will separate you from the capitalists, in my opinion, is I think you've got to ask yourself, what do we have that just money can't buy? Like, what is it that we uh, are going to create where it's not just a financial conversation? It's, it's a conversation about things where it's like, eh, there's no amount of money. Like, so I'll give you an example. Like, for example, um, actually, if you go to drboysfinance.com, you can advertise on this platform, right? So this is like real life. This is real shit. This is really what real conversations we have with our team. So, uh, you know, we reach a million black people a week on this podcast. And I'm very happy about that because I know being trying to be black and intelligent, I know that offends people. But fortunately, there are enough of you who agree and understand why we need to be smarter so we don't keep getting screwed over. And uh, and we have advertising you can actually purchase where you can get a Dr. Boy shout out. Well, somebody asked me one time, they said, well, how much can I pay to be a guest on your podcast? And I said, there's no amount you can pay because I'm not going to sell 
um, guest spots on my podcast. You can't you can't buy your way into this space. I need to vet you. I need to understand what you're doing. If if I decide to have a guest, and I, I really don't bring that many guests in, and so no, no, I I have to you know the conversation that conversation is not a financial conversation. So some things should not be a financial conversation. And this is where capitalism is also uh, is also a little bit of a sickness, a mental illness, because. In America, everything's everything becomes financial. Like, for example, healthcare. Healthcare should probably not be so much of a financial conversation. Like, you know, whether or not somebody lives or dies and can get their medication that they might need to stay alive, it's not right to say, well, you don't have enough money, so you have to die. I just don't like that, right? And so ultimately, when it comes to the selling of Michael Jackson's catalog, I don't know if that fits in that category. I know Michael Jackson's special, and uh, and I really wish, I, I, I hope, I, I think that they still own some of the catalog, and I like the idea of some of that wealth being in the, in the hands of Black people. But then again, one of the things that's really interesting, too, about Black celebrities is that a lot of that black celebrity wealth does not even trickle down to the black community anyway. You know, as many rappers as you have that are claiming to be billionaires, I don't see any them doing anything on any sort of significant level that's developing significant economic infrastructure that's going to impact hundreds of thousands of black people. Uh, you know, just the amount of money. Uh, I, I told you guys, I was very honest with you about some of the frustration I had with, you know, my conversations with Kanye West, because I, I really was like, Sheesh, I, I understand you have this issue with Jewish people, and I, I'm not going to fight that too much because you have a right to have your opinion. But I kind of really need you to understand that with that money that Adidas is paying you a quarter of a billion dollars a year, we could literally go out next year and build 10,000 schools for black people and pay, you know, 50,000 teachers to teach our own children and, and literally make a generational game like game changer for black people, like literally in a year. We could literally flip everything on his head. And 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 I, I kind of feel like, you know, like maybe as a celebrity, we should kind of think about that so that we don't just get caught up in like ego. Right. And just saying like, oh, well, because I am um, famous and important, my what I want and what I feel is more important than what the community needs and what the community uh, is struggling with. And again, but this is not me in any way being critical of, of that of that thought process it was it was kind of like a point where I kind of realized okay we're not really built the same because I would probably you know probably like be able to swallow my pride and not criticize Jewish people if it meant that I could get an extra quarter billion dollars a year for the black community I, I just I had to be honest with you um I, I don't understand that calculus and I think those of you who kind of feel like that's some sort of noble honorable choice, like, like, because I'm so mad at Jewish people, I'm going to keep talking bad, even if it costs the black community a quarter of a billion dollars. I would just say to you that I don't agree with you. I, I kind of think in some, some situations, it's okay to stand down. It's okay to kind of say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and take a different position because uh, it's bigger than me at this point. You know, so ultimately, you know, that that really speaks to uh, the point that I was making. Like, I don't really know if your celebrities are the ones who are going to... Um, give the community what it needs. You know, I, I really feel like your celebrities, unfortunately, are kind of living in a different reality from the rest of us. And I don't know if that reality is one that's going to lead to 
net benefits for the black community. And also, I encourage you to avoid playing what I call the Hunger Games. Uh, if you remember the movie, The Hunger Games was about uh, a group of people that were very poor. It was about, you know, the masses were really poor and they were really struggling. And what the elite did in order to control the masses is they would pick a couple of people out of the poor group, the you know, the, a couple of people in the struggling group and make them like fight to the death to see who survived. And the survivors would get lots of money, lots of fame, lots of love, and they will parade the two survivors uh, to, uh, to, to the masses. And they would control the masses by parading these two survivors of the Hunger Games. And they would kind of send this message that says, if you behave, you might get a chance to win the Hunger Games too. When really all those poor people should have got together and kicked the rich people's asses and took all their money, right? But 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 that's kind of what happens with black people. You get a couple of, of Negroes that won the Hunger Games. You know, you have a bunch of, uh, you have a million black boys that all go compete and give sacrifice their lives to try to go be become the next LeBron James. One guy wins, one or two, maybe, maybe five out of a million get a chance to, you know, be on a, a, the court of an NBA game or whatever. And then they parade those few as, you know, winners of the Hunger Games as a symbolism to make the public feel like, hey, if I make a sacrifice and I work hard, I can be just like LeBron. No, you can't because you're not six foot eight, 250 pounds. That right there would put you in the top 1% of the top 1% of the population just in size alone. But most guys who are six foot eight, 250 pounds, still can't play basketball like LeBron. So ultimately what they get you doing is they get you dreaming the wrong dreams. And black celebrities, unfortunately, become more of a liability sometimes, maybe inadvertently, than an asset. You know, they're just in a different space. So uh, I don't really know. If, if, if getting caught up and riled up over Michael Jackson's catalog being sold uh, is necessarily something that is, is like some sort of important proprietary black asset that we must maintain control of. Because, again, I showed you guys the people that control Jackson's estate are not even black. So a lot of the beneficiaries are not going to be in the black community. In fact, even with Prince, uh, Prince, I wish Prince, I wish I could have talked to him. I didn't know the guy when he was alive, but I would have loved to have talked to him about his estate plan because Prince probably gave away a hundred million dollars to people who are not black. He literally gave away like a hundred million dollars. So, so I, I really kind of think that uh, we got to sort of rethink these things. All right. So do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Uh, let's see. Sam asked a good question. He says, if Dion was having problems with his bills, would you help him? Yes, I would. Absolutely. I would love to sit down and say prime time. You know what? You're a Jackson state. Uh, you know, you have a brand that is known all around the world. Let's sit down and figure out how you can monetize your billion dollar brand without having to go sell yourself uh, to Colorado to become a high paid employee. Let's talk about how you can be the boss and still make your millions and still be on top. Because remember, if you've got a brand like a Deion Sanders, you can make money from that brand. Mon you know, working for a white man is not the only way to monetize a brand. Colorado knew what they were doing. They said, we're buying this guy. He's going to come represent us. He's going to carry our flag and carry our banner and basically become an honor honorary white man and work for us. And we get the opportunity to parade at this billion dollar brand to the entire world to attract all the other black athletes, all the other multi-million dollar athletes that are going to follow the Pied Piper to Colorado and not go to Jackson State. 
right? So they didn't just get Dion. They got everybody who follows Dion. All the multi-million. Every time they bring in a five-star recruit, that's a $100 million asset. So they're like, oh, this is cheap. Negroes come cheap. We can pay Dion $5 million and we, he can bring us every year seven or $800 million assets to the university. That's a pretty good deal. Seriously, if these five-star recruits were getting like market negotiated contracts, I guarantee you that a Travis Hunter, if it were a free open market, Travis Hunter, who was a superstar at Jackson State, number one player in the country, oh, that's that dude could negotiate literally a 50 to 100 million dollar deal. That's a, look at look at think about this. If you go to the NBA or NFL, what's Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts and all those guys making? There, Patrick Mahomes' deal is what, worth, what, $400 million? And that's not for his whole career. That's for like five years or something. Jalen Hurts is going to get another three, $400 million. Dak Prescott, in, in his, Dak Prescott get, got paid a quarter of a billion to lose in the playoffs, right? So, but so, so my point is to say, and again, I'm not, this is not me saying that Dion is stupid or crazy or a bum. I get it. The money was nice, but there's other ways to make money. And Colorado was very strategic because they said, man, okay, we could pay this one guy. $5 million a year, but he's going to bring $100 million a year or more into the campus because all these black dudes are going to follow him. They're not going to Jackson State now. They're all going to come to pasty-ass, white-ass Colorado and hang out with us because we paid our way into becoming one of the cool kids. He's even going to – and then he's going to bring Lil Wayne. He's going to bring all these other celebrities. He's going to bring Shannon Sharp and – or Shannon – is that Shannon Sharp, the football player? Yeah, I think this is the only – I got it right. Yeah, Sterling Sharp's brother. There we go. That's right. Yeah, he's going to bring all these celebrities and all this attention. ESPN Game Day is going to want to come here. Uh, corporations are going to want to sponsor our team. So we're going to we're gonna sign $100 million deals with them. So you got to understand – see. This is what you're missing. This is what you're missing. You don't understand that that when you're looking at what happens on the field, that is only a fraction of of the whole game that's being played. There is a whole that there's a game in the Super Bowl. There will be a game on the field that's going to be a good one, and everybody's going to be watching that game. But y'all need to understand that the real game is being played off the field. The global, the game of global economics is being played off. The, there is a massive economic Super Bowl happening that has nothing to do with throwing the ball down the field or who gets just the gambling industry alone. The fact that one in five Americans is going to bet on the Super Bowl. I bet I bet on the Eagles. I put 500 on. I don't even bet that much, but I just like the Eagles and I just want to have some fun. So, so, so one in five Americans are betting just the gambling alone is hundreds of millions of dollars. That don't count all the products being promoted. The fact that a Super Bowl ad is probably, I, I want to say, I don't know, how much is a Super Bowl ad? Let's, let's Google this. Hit the thumbs up button while I Google this. Let me see here. What is the cost of a Super Bowl ad in 2023? The cost of a Super Bowl ad, a 30-second Super Bowl ad costs $7 million. $7 million. How many ads do they run? Let's see here. Let's let's see if you can Google. You can Google everything now, especially with AI. How much? How many ads are in the Super Bowl? Let's do some quick math, uh, boys and girls. Um, the advertising landscape during the Super Bowl in the past several years has been fairly steady, with number of ads oscillating between eighty and hundred. So let's just use hundred because the math is easy. So what's seven million dollars times hundred? Can anybody? Any any math any math geniuses in the building that can tell me what seven million dollars times one hundred is? Imagine somebody paying you seven million dollars and doing it a hundred times. How much money would you have? 
Thank you, $700 million. And that's not even a fraction of the total ad revenue from the Super Bowl. Because you got to remember, they're doing online streaming. They got billboards. They got merchandise. Like, like That's not even the beginning. Like The total economic value of a Super Bowl has to be in the multi-billions of dollars. And here's what's crazy. This Y'all don't even know this. College sports actually makes more than professional sports. Did y'all know that? Stuff like March Madness. Oh, March Madness dwarfs like NFL playoffs and NBA playoffs. So people are really loyal to their college teams. So, so, so what I'm saying to you is that they got you focused on the one game that's happening on the field and you're missing the whole game that's happening off the field. When, when they sign a Deion Sanders to come to Colorado for $5 million, well, that's a hell of an investment. He would have been worth $25 million. If you look at the value, the economic value of just the publicity alone of having this guy on your campus, as well as all the celebrities he's bringing through and the social media and the corporate deals and ESPN game day and all these other things that are going to now be attracted to your, your raggedy ass football team because he's there. All the five star recruits, the hundred million dollar recruits that are coming to that school. That's a that's a that's a. That's a half billion dollar deal that they made with Dion. That's a that's like a three, four, five hundred million dollar win for those institutions. Now remember, it's economics is kind of what they call a zero sum game, which means that when one side wins, the other side loses. So if Dion was first going to bring three or four hundred million dollars worth of economic activity to Jackson State, and now he's going to bring three or four hundred million dollars of economic activity to Colorado. That's a win for white folks and a loss for black folks. And But this is nothing new. This is nothing new. You've been doing, this has been happening for a long time. This is what happened with the Jackie Robinson effect. And it's all propaganda. You get taught to look up to Jackie Robinson. I don't look up to Jackie Robinson. Oh, Jackie Robinson. No, that's not a win. That's a loss. You should cry every time they talk about Jackie Robinson and say, dang, man, why do we do that? You know, so so ultimately, um, just going back, uh, you know, we started talking about Michael Jackson and selling the catalog. And, and again, you know, I, I think that with Michael, what's interesting, here's another interesting fact about Michael Jackson's catalog that I know or his estate is that Michael was such a <laughs> spender when he was alive. I, I watched that documentary where he was just going in the store and just literally spending like $10 million every time he went into the store in Vegas. Um, you know, he was such a spender that actually his estate is probably more profitable with him being dead than it was with him being alive. Because they, it was able to control his spending. That happens with a lot of celebrities, you know, because because human beings kind of do silly stuff with money sometimes. And Michael, honestly, I don't I didn't feel made the best choices when it came to money. I mean, he made some good investments. Don't get me wrong. But he really spent a lot of money. And, um, you know, and so ultimately, I don't know if Michael Jackson's catalog is something worth holding on to one way or the other. But I will say that when you talk about selling things like BET, that's a big problem because there's a massive loss that has occurred because BET has spent decades promoting unhealthy culture in the black community. Every time you lose a black boy because he wants to grow up and become a thug instead of an engineer, or he wants to become a gangster instead of a lawyer, or he wants to become, you know, a, a criminal baby daddy as opposed to, you know, a scientist or a leader or a surgeon or an airplane pilot, you're losing millions of dollars. Like every single one of your black boys, is a multi-million dollar asset. And, and every time you lose a black boy, every time a black boy gets distracted by the nonsense in media, uh, you're literally, your community's losing wealth because of that. How do I know that? Well, because if I was to use like some of the financial models that I, I used to teach my students at Syracuse, I could literally take 
the total income that that boy would make as, you know, as a lawyer with a good education versus the amount of income he makes, you know, trying to be a thug or sitting in the prison industrial complex and show you that this kid is worth, that his economic potential is worth well over several million dollars, not just one or two million, more like five to 10 million, especially for some of your black children that are more talented than others. Or every time you have black boys that, uh, that want to become athletes and entertainers and they devote their whole lives to that, instead of devoting their energy toward education or entrepreneurship, you're losing, um, you're losing several million dollars for every single one of those kids. So if you have five million black boys who get lost in the system because of bad media and bad messaging and hip hop music and everything that and this is where this is where Kanye and I actually did have something in common in terms of dealing with the Jewish community. I think the Jewish community owes the black owes black people an apology for what they did to hip hop music and how they promoted this nonsense to our kids. But uh, but anyway, literally, if you if you if you take that, if you just do basic math and you say, let's let's look at five. Let's say we have five million black boys who grow up and in, in, in do nothing with their lives because they don't want to be rappers or basketball players. And then you say every black boy's economic potential was about two million dollars per child. Well, you would take you could take the five million times two million, which, which it becomes a very big number. It, it becomes about five trillion or wait, ten trillion dollars. So you're talking about, you know, this is just off the cuff calculation, but you literally have to understand that in every generation that you allow people to poison your kids and get them to waste their potential, you're losing trillions of dollars in black wealth. Like, think about this. I mean, look at look at look at what I do. Right. And look at the things that I that I've made a lot of money for my family. Um, you know, I've impacted a lot of people around the world. What I did and to, to become who I am. It's not like it's rocket science. It took a lot of hard work. I had to go to school for a long time. I had to put as much energy into becoming a financial scholar as I would have had to put into becoming, say, a basketball player. Um, imagine if you had five million other boys who did the same thing I did. Like, imagine if you literally had five million boys Watkins types or people that kind of wanted to try to do what I did. Well, first off, most of them would be doing very well financially because we don't have enough room for. 10 million black boys to make millions of dollars playing basketball. That's not possible, but we do have enough room for 10 million black boys to become millionaire entrepreneurs. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't have 10 million uh, millionaire black boy basketball players, but you can have 10 million black boy millionaire entrepreneurs. There's a lot of millionaires in this country, you know? And so I just really encourage you uh, when you're talking about your, your children and, and your, 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 your seed and your legacy, uh, aim them in a direction where they're most likely to be successful. You know, I, I, I don't really think that the nonsense that we uh, are getting in media is anything to celebrate at all. Um, in fact, it's, um, it's, it's, it's leading to a lot of pain, a lot of death. Um, every time a black father dies, you know, it has a ripple effect. The children are going to be screwed up now. They're not protected. Um, you know, a lot of wealth gets lost uh, because now, the people that are going to uh, put your your uh, your wealth in probate court are going to make money eating off. So they become vultures. They become vultures and they eat off of poor choices. And so the question is, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? All right. So anyway, that's all. That's my two cents. Those are my thoughts for tonight. I'm gonna go hang out with my wife for a little bit. Uh, I hope you guys are having a good day. God bless you. And uh, RIP to Michael Jackson. I like him a lot. My wife is from Gary, like Michael is. And we went to his house and his family, I like, I love his family because they raised all these kids, super talented kids in the streets and kept them off the streets of Gary. 
and they were living in this tiny little house that looks not even big enough for two or three people. And they were able to do that, you know. So as much as people want to criticize Joe Jackson or or their mother, maybe for being too harsh and disciplining them too hard. Well, you try raising kids in the streets of Gary, you know, where where kids are getting shot left and right and you try to keep them on the straight and narrow. That's hard to do. So the fact that they did that and got them to reach their potential, I think is absolutely remarkable. And I think that that's a, a, a parenthood model that we should pay attention to because some of us got some spoiled ass kids who ain't going out to nothing. So, so let's uh, shout out to the Jackson family. All right, guys. So do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Uh, if you want to take a look at our financial flashcards for kids and you want to teach your kids about economics, uh, we have some flashcards. You can go to financialflashcards.com. Uh, they teach everything from credit to wealth building to real estate, stuff like that. Also, uh, boyswalkins.com. You can find a copy of my new book. It's called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. It is available at my website or on Amazon. If you buy it on Amazon, that's fine. I don't really care. Amazon takes a big chunk of the money, but it doesn't matter to me. I just want, want you to read it if, you, if that's of interest to you. Uh, if you could, please leave a review. Um, the reviews so far are very good. They're almost almost all five star. So uh, if you could leave a review, that really helps a lot. So God bless you guys. Have a good night, and uh, I will see you soon. Take care. I'll talk to you later. Peace.